Hey guys, this is Life with Tawny Anderson here. I know you guys haven't heard from me in a while. Well, much like all the other housewives in America, I have been homeschooling my children. Woo woo! This has been my first year of homeschooling, like legit homeschooling. I actually disenrolled my two boys, Stryker and Raleigh, are now doing fifth and second grade from our home with our own curriculum. And it has actually been going pretty well, not going to lie. Had had a great support system. Our church has been phenomenal with um, the amount of moms that homeschool. So here I am. I'm doing it. And um, with that, it is also my favorite month because it's Halloween on the 31st, not to mention it's Raleigh Danger. He had his birthday on the 19th. And we also celebrated um, three years now of Beverly's Gotcha Day. That means her adoption day. So we that's October. I love October. All good things happen in October, right? So what also happens in October is Reformation celebration. What's that? Um, well, for a lot of you who maybe weren't born and raised in a church, um, I am one of those. I didn't start attending a church until I was in middle school. Um, and my relationship with God and the different depths in which we learn um, I don't have too much of a clue of really what that is, but October 31st is not just Halloween. It is also Reformation celebration. And this year I was invited by some friends to bring the kids over and do a whole celebration. Now with that, I'm like, so what do you do? First, I was like, are kids welcome? And then, oh, apparently they are. And so what do you do? And um, truly, what's it about? So today, I have a guest speaker for the first time with me. And uh, she is going to give you guys a good breakdown. We're going to have a conversation. We're going to break down hard words. We're going to learn some history. And truly, both the facts, fun, and family side of Reformation celebration. So hang tight and enjoy the ride. All right, I am here with one of my besties, Katie McClellan. Say hi, Katie. Hello. So, uh, Katie and I actually have known each other since 2001. Is that correct? Or two. Or two. 2002? Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, And we met at a women's Bible study, evening Bible study. That was real fun. and um, and then we we've planted churches together. We've um, changed churches together. We've really seen a lot of uh, transition in I say I say like even both of our personal relationships and style of worship and you know just all that like and life life in general. Yeah, me pre marriage. Yeah, and 
pre-children. Like mine was, I was just married. Uh-huh. So actually, no, it was right before that. So it was 2002. Yeah, because you lived in the mm-hmm. apartment. Two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been a while. And so we were t- chatting this week. I got an, an invite from you and another friend for a Reformation celebration. And this mama doesn't know very much about that. And I'm kind of like, I have a feeling that there's a lot of people who don't know about this also. And I said, who better? You got to come on here and we're going to explain it to people. And we're going to do some breakdowns. So tell me, number one, um, what do you love most about Reformation? Uh, Well, I'm a self-proclaimed history nerd, but uh, it is my favorite subject, always has been still is as a homeschooling mom. Um, So what I love about the Reformation is learning what fellow brothers and sisters in Christ had to go through um, for things that we take for granted today um, really helps me um, put my own life in perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, It also is just amazing to see God's hand through time and how Um, he spread his church through this and how it changed the world. Awesome. Yes. Okay. So give us a brief history lesson, since you are the history buff, on what it means to uh, be reformed. How did all this come about? You can be reformed. We celebrate it. It is The Reformation. Explain that. Okay. So we'll do history first. Um, So before the Reformation, um, which we just had the 500th year celebration um, in 2017. So in 1517 was the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. So before 1517, um, most of Christendom for that time, fell under the jurisdiction and the rule of the Catholic Church. To be a Christian meant you were Catholic and everything that came with Catholicism. Mm -hmm. Um, There really was not a a lot of other options, especially if you were in Europe. There were the Orthodox Church, Mm -hmm. but they were more Eastern European into um, Turkey, Greece, um, but if you were born in the year 1400 in England or Ireland or Italy or France, you were Catholic. You didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you were born Catholic. That was Christianity. So um, how the Reformation started was in the 1400s, a young man named Martin Luther was born. He was born in 1483. Um uh, not yeah. black, not junior. Right. Okay. Right. The original, the OG <laughs> Martin Luther. OG Martin Luther. Yes, yes. Okay, good. So he was born in 1483 in Germany, um, and his dad was a miner, so he came from, you know, blue-collar stock. Yeah. But uh, Martin Luther was incredibly smart. So his family assumed that maybe he would become a lawyer. He was very... Um, 
good at arguing uh-huh. and he um they just recognized his brilliance at a young age yeah he was already going to school for it yeah, right was, or on yeah, his way yeah yeah they okay. started college much sooner all right so they started college much sooner yeah 14 it's kind of what we would consider high school is what they considered college gotcha um so he was going to school to be a lawyer and one day he was walking along the road and an incredibly intense storm came upon him and um, to the point where he was almost struck by lightning while walking. And at that point, he cried out to God and said, if you uh, rescue me, mm-hmm. if I do not die between here and where I'm going, I will devote my whole life to you. And, um, and God was gracious and God spared him. So mm-hmm. Martin Luther at that point became a monk. Um, because the Catholic Church, really the only holy vocation to be was either uh, to be a monk, a priest, or a nun. Those were your only choices. Yeah. Um, and so he uh, became a, a monk. I believe he was Augustinian. I can double check on that, but I think he was an Augustinian monk, which uh-huh. just means they got their um, way and theology from... Augustine or Augustine, people are split on how that's pronounced, uh-huh. of Hippo, um, who lived much earlier in church history. Anyways, so he, um, Martin Luther, though, was prone to deep bouts of depression. Oh, really? And he um, could never get rid of this sense that he could do enough or be enough to earn his salvation. And um, they had a, he had a hard time. His soul was troubled Mm -hmm. by this and he could not get rid of this oppressive feeling Mm -hmm. in his life. So all they had back then was confession and prayer. Right. They really, so he spent a lot of time in confession. Right. And even um, even in the priesthood, you were not necessarily granted the right to look at scripture. Um, the common man was not allowed to have a Bible. Uh, it was only in Latin if it was one available to you. So you had to be able to read. read. Mm-hmm. You had to be able to read Latin. Mm-hmm. And then be able to translate that in your head to your own language to understand what it said. So even common monks were not necessarily uh, granted access to a precious Bible because the Bible also had to be transcribed letter by letter by hand, right? Mm-hmm. This is before the printing press. Um, so Martin Luther made his way up the ranks. They also recognized his genius. And he had access to the Bible and he started reading and he read a passage that said that salvation comes by grace alone, that Mm -hmm. it is God's gift to people. And this was um, revolutionary for Martin Luther uh, because the Catholic Church taught that there was grace, but there were also other things that you had to do to um, be a good person mm-hmm. by um, praying all these extra steps that came with ways grace to give pendants for for your sins for your that sins. you had committed mm-hmm. and um, Martin Luther 
said that that is not what the Bible says. Yeah. So he had a problem with this is what scripture says and this is what you are teaching. Yes. So Martin Luther did not set out to change the world. But on October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther wrote essentially a letter. It was called his 95 Thesis. And it was his 95 things that he wanted reformation to change within the Catholic Church. He wasn't setting out to start his own church or his own movement. His deep desire was to see the Catholic Church brought in line with Scripture and to see um, reformation and change for the good for the Catholic Church. Uh, And he nailed these theses on a door in uh, Wittenberg, Germany, Mm -hmm. um, which would be akin these days to posting it on social media. Like, you went to the door of the church to see all, like, legal announcements, to see... It's like a public bulletin board. So he nailed them to the church door. And, of course, the Catholic Church was not a fan of his ideas. Yes. So he was labeled as a heretic because he was teaching doctrine that did not align with Catholic doctrine. Mm. Much like Jesus. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And so he was um, sent a document. He was sent for the, what is it called? Gonna forget the Diet of Worms. Now that's a really weird name. It's a very weird name. I'm, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm envisioning yeah. something, I not not courtly. Or, I don't know <laughs> how to eat fried worms, right? Yeah, but I think diet is a Latin word that. Though means... I mean, fitting that this is October thirty first, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we're there. <laughs> uh, but diet meant. Um, like a court hearing, and yes. Worms was the place of where it took place. So being summoned to the Diet of Worms was basically mean you need to come to court in the city of Worms. Gotcha. So he was going to stand trial okay. for being a heretic. Okay. And in the Catholic Church, your choices, if you were found convicted of heresy, uh-huh. depending on the level of heresy, it's either excommunication. Okay. Um, from the church, which meant like all of your family, every person in the world is Catholic, or more often than not, being burnt at the stake. Mm. So Martin Luther comes before the Diet of Worms, um, and they basically tell him to renounce his beliefs, and he says, here I stand, I can do no other. Mm -hmm. It is against my conscience, I cannot do what you want me to do. So they were at like an impasse. Okay. So now who is, who is present at this court? It would be all the higher ranking Catholic, um, bishops. So bishops and cardinals, um, the Pope had ordered this Pope Leo the 10th, um, you know, all the way in Rome, but they had a quick network of messengers to get, you know, you would report to your higher ups, like the monks would report to a bishop who would report to a cardinal who okay. reports to the Pope, okay. right? So they had, um, I'm imagining some cardinal, English, or excuse me, German cardinal presiding over this. Yeah. Which was generally at that time even a higher authority than 
a king. Yes. The kings were all Catholic. And they answered to the Pope as their... As he was the one appointed by God as his representative on earth. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, higher than a king. So you're going, you're going to, just under God here is now where Martin Luther is standing. Right. Before to say, you need to stop this. Okay. For the world. Not just yes. your one country, right? Yeah. Because they had control of the world. Yes. So it was a very serious situation. Um, and one that, you know, had serious consequences. Yeah. All right. Okay, so he's, he's standing on trial, and there's a stack of books beside him, and they're mm-hmm. asking him, did you write these books, which talked about um, salvation by grace alone, in mm-hmm. faith alone, in Christ alone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had to pray because this answer would determine his fate. And he said, unless I'm convinced by the testimony of scripture or by clear reason, for I do not trust either in the Pope or in councils alone. And since it is well known that they have erred and contradicted themselves, I am bound by the scriptures and I have quoted my conscience and it is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything mm. since it is neither safe nor right to go against my conscience. May God help me. Amen. Mm. So he makes this speech, um, you know, in response to the papal bull that he'd received. That was the, the order telling him to show up in worms. Mm-hmm. And um, he refused to recant uh then you know now what's going to happen to him next right so they sort of went into chambers like a modern day jury would mm. go mm-hmm. and it took 5 days to determine what his fate was going to be okay mm. so the emperor presented the final draft so the edict of worms so this was may um 25th 1521 mm-hmm. declared luther as an outlaw an outlaw, an, a heretic. They banned his literature and required his arrest. Mm. Um, so they wanted him punished as a heretic and made it a crime for anyone in Germany to give Luther food or shelter. Wow. And it permitted anyone to kill him without legal consequences. Wow. So at this point, he's a heretic. Mm-hmm. Outlaw on the run. Mm-hmm. So he disappears. He has great friends. Yes. <laughs> that get him out of Dodge, essentially. Um, and he um, is taken away to um, a castle, um, still in Germany, but like far away. Yeah. And he, um, you know, kind of lives the rest of his life as a bit of an outlaw in this area. But he, he, um, marries a former nun. They oh, wow. A, they have a lot of children together. Oh, wow. And their home was one of music and laughter and open doors, um, with people who would read his books 
and come and sit at his table and want to talk about like, what does this mean? What is scripture alone? What is faith in Christ alone? What does that mean? Um, so while he was a legal outlaw, yeah. he God used him to spread the true gospel mm-hmm. of what um, Christ did on the cross mm-hmm. to the common man. So uh, it's actually quite a fascinating another topic for another day about the women of the Reformation. Mm-hmm. There's lots mm-hmm. of different characters in the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther is credited with kind of kicking it off yeah. by nailing these 95 theses on October 31st yeah. was the beginning of the Protestant Reformation, yeah. which was spurred on by other people like John Calvin. It was spurred on by um, the invention of the printing press. Mm-hmm. When the mm-hmm. printing press was, in, was invented, then you could get these secret Bibles that had been translated into the common tongue, German, mm-hmm. um, English, whatever, French, whatever country you were in, they could have it printed on the printing press mm-hmm. and then get it into the hands of of people who could read. Now, Martin Luther then had access to the printing press later on. Is that correct? Mm, let me see. Now, I'm only, I'm only mentioning that because you mentioned to me the uh, torch lighters. So uh, as we're learning about this, I'm learning new things about um, Martin Luther and it showed him actually using a printing press in the torch lighters. So that's, that's actually a cartoon versions. You can catch it on right now media. You can catch it on, um, you said Amazon prime, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Um, so for those who want uh, a great lesson for their kids, and even yourself for that matter, you can go ahead and find Martin Luther's episode on torch lighters. Yeah, they're like 30 minutes long. Yeah. So the printing press was pr- invented um, before Martin Luther was born. So Martin Luther was born in 1483. The printing press was invented sometime between 1440 and 1450. Yeah. So, yes, I'm sure he... It seemed like he was um, rewriting parts of the Bible. And then... Yeah, part of his job as a monk was to translate it. And they took that very seriously. It was like one letter at a time. There's no, like, read a sentence and copy it. Yeah. So if you want someone reproducing the Bible in the common tongue, you want a meticulously trained monk doing it, right? (laughs) Absolutely. To be... um, as accurate as possible, right? Yeah. So, um, yes, they they all worked together to mm-hmm. get Bibles into the hands of people who wanted them, right? Yeah. Now, not not a lot of people could read, but yeah. God used the Protestant Reformation to bring about a um, rev revolution i guess in education yeah because of the printing press and because of the protestant reformers more people begin to learn how to read and read their bibles than had ever had before Mm. including women Mm. so when the gospel invades a culture it changes the culture and the society for the better right so 
with literacy, that mm-hmm. was one of the outworking effects of the Protestant Reformation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what? let's also talk about uh, what was going on with the Catholic Church at that same time okay. that um, Martin Luther, he's, in, he's like in the middle of writing his um, 95 Thesis and all that. And what is the Catholic Church doing? So part of Martin Luther's 95 Theses that he was pushing back on and hoping for reform in the church was alms, the giving of alms and indulgences. Okay. So the Catholic church believe, um, and still do that when you die, uh, if you have unrepented sins, sins you've not been forgiven for, you are in purgatory, which would be between heaven and hell in sort of a um, waiting, waiting space, waiting space um, mm-hmm. which is not pleasant. It is suffering, but not to the degree of hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is temporary, but it's temporary based on how many sins you still have to atone for. Mm-hmm. And so the Middle Age practice of indulgences was they would come around and it was a way to raise money for the church. Mm-hmm. They would sell indulgences to people. So say your husband died and you wanted him to get out of purgatory faster. Mm-hmm. You would buy an indulgence and that would lessen his time there, right? While all this money is going into the pot of the mm-hmm. Catholic church. They also did alms. So doing alms is like doing good deeds. So you are doing a good deed for the person who has passed away to also get them out of purgatory faster. Yeah. So service work. Right. Once Luther had access to the Bible, he could see this is these practices were nowhere in scripture. By grace and grace alone. Right. And that purgatory does not exist in the Bible and the Christian faith. You either die and are with Christ or you die and you are not with Christ. There's no yes. waiting zone. No waiting in the zone. No. Uh, so those were some of the things that he was pressing against. Of course yeah. he wanted the Bible in a common tongue. You can actually find online and print out like all 95 thesis that he wrote. It's like sentences. It's like 95 sentences oh, wow. of the things that he wanted reform. Um, and you know they did take into um, account some of his things. They they met and they tried working on a few of his things. Mm-hmm. Didn't really result in much change. Mm-hmm. However, they don't do indulgences in the same way anymore. So, yeah. you know, it took, took past Luther's life for him to see the result of that. Yeah. But they did have some reform. But, you know, Luther was not allowed back in the Catholic Church. So what are you going to do? You have mm-hmm. to start your own... Church. Church. Yeah. So this is where we get the Lutheran church from, comes right from Martin Luther. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they would meet as this outlawed church, Mm -hmm. um, underground secret church upon penalty of death. Mm -hmm. Um, And they would, you know, gather together at pubs and talk about things or meet at people's (laughs) houses and then um, come together for a time and then go back out and teach and spread the gospel. Um, so it was a real um, grassroots underground movement. But Martin yeah. Luther um, 
I mean, he was a flawed man. He definitely has some historical things that are not um, great. He said some things about Jewish people that would get you in big trouble today also. Mm. So he definitely was a flawed man, like we all are, <laughs> that God used to bring about this big change. Mm-hmm. But he um, loved music and loved hymns. And he was like, his kind of motto was, if you are not like reading or teaching the Bible, the best thing you can do is surround yourself with music. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was kind of a prolific writer and a hymnist writing hymns. He also played the lute, you know, it's like mm-hmm. their guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he wrote a hymn for the ref during the Reformation, mm-hmm. which we still sing today. We mm-hmm. sing it at our church. It's a mighty fortress is our God, mm-hmm. which is often called the battle hymn of the um, Reformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really good. I can mm-hmm. read you a couple of the lyrics, but it goes, a mighty fortress is our God, mm-hmm. a bulwark never failing, which if you ever watched um, Gilmore Girls, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about a bulwark <laughs> and this song in Gilmore Girls. That's funny. Our helper is he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. But um, I'm going to skip a, a paragraph. Well, maybe not. So in, did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is he, the Lord of hosts his name from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. Mm. Anyway, it goes on, but it's really, really beautiful. Yeah, you can tell that writing was something God has blessed him with. Yeah, and he, I mean, we still sing it today, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, there's lots of other casts of characters who make the Reformation, the history of the Reformation um, amazing. John Calvin, Mm -hmm. who was a compatriot of Luther, their lives overlapped, um, although Luther was about 20 years older. John Calvin, around the same time, he was in Geneva, Switzerland, and mm. he was preaching, um, again, salvation by Christ alone, by mm. grace alone. Um, they called Geneva, it was kind of like a city on a hill. Kind of, The whole city basically mm. got converted under Calvin's teaching. He preached, I think, every day and twice on Sundays. I mean, that is what he did, and he wrote... Um, volumes on theology yeah basically setting out what protestant theology is the calvin's institutes uh, there were some amazing women of faith during the protestant reformation um luther's wife mm-hmm. um who was kind of this amazing host who did all of these th- all this hard work that allowed her husband to do all these crazy things but, yeah you know she had been a nun and she escaped from the castle that she was held in, like in a pickle barrel or a pickled herring barrel. Oh, like dear heavens! <laughs> yes, she's some lutefisk. Yeah, yeah, what's yeah. going on there? Yeah, yeah. And that I mean, I don't even want to eat lutefisk, let alone be in the barrel in which it was 
marinating. And then you so. have people like Lady <laughs> Lady Jane Grey, who was an English um, teenager, and she was uh, 17, and <clears throat> her... She lived at this time of Henry VIII. Okay. And she was noble. And Henry VIII had a problem having children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is why he had so many wives. Because he needed a male heir. And he couldn't get a male heir. He, he only had one surviving male child after six wives. Although mm-hmm. he had two daughters. So Henry VIII died. Lady Jane Grey. By is related to them, right? So yeah. Henry's son, who I can't remember his name, doesn't matter. He's not the king for very long. He's like the king for like a year or something, and he died. But instead of giving the crown to one of his two sisters, Mary the Catholic sister or Elizabeth the Protestant sister, mm-hmm. because this king was a Protestant, he said, when I die, my cousin, Lady Jane Grey, is going to be the queen. Oh wow! Not this, not my sisters, because he knew it would result in like civil war, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So Jane is seventeen, finds out that she's the queen. Oh boy, mm-hmm. she's the queen for eight days. When Mary rolls into town, puts her in the Tower of London. Jane Grey is decapitated. She dies, <laughs> but. <laughs> Her story is like really beautiful because she was a really true, strong Christian. And uh-huh. she knew the Bible inside and out mm. because they gave her out after out after out of saying, um, if you convert to mm-hmm. Catholicism, if you confess that the Pope is... You know, God is the head, and, the head of and the who church. You're going to submit and, to, and, yeah, and that but, you are a Catholic, you can live, and she would not do it. Mm-hmm. And so that came her demise. Yeah, and she was beheaded, and before she was beheaded, she quoted from memory a psalm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she's just an amazing person. So, yeah. like, extra. So credit. there are just so many people that truly are. Just the continual line of that we see for the Reformation, and even though we can we can definitely uh, pinpoint where it started with Martin Luther, there are so much more history to indulge ourselves in. Yeah, he, and, um, it, Martin Luther was like no. the mustard seed, right? And then it yeah, kind of absolutely. blew up out of there. And there's just so many different rich ways. You know, how yeah. did the English get the Bible? How there's yes. all these different all of the things ways that you can go to. So, let's let's break this down real quick. Okay, we are going to talk about the fun little reformation celebration that we're going to have tomorrow. But before we do that, there might be a few confusing words that um we had maybe spoke of and some of those, well, we kind of dove into purgatory mm-hmm. knowing that that is that in between place where you die and then you are um before you go into heaven and go to judgment um which truly doesn't exist we clarified that and then there was the indulgence and there was the alms mm-hmm. and the indulgence just real quick were the 
you're paying the Catholic Church to give you a piece of paper that told you that your loved one who had passed away was going to get out of purgatory faster. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the alms were? Like doing a good deed. That's right. So like giving to charity mm-hmm. so that your loved one could get out of purgatory faster. Yes. Okay. And then Martin Luther was titled a heretic. Mm-hmm. What is that? A heretic uh, in this definition would be like a legal pronouncement, right? So at the okay. Diet of Worms, he was pronounced as a heretic. Okay. So a heretic by definition would be um, a person who holds a controversial opinion, um, specifically in this instance, a public dissent or disagreement from uh-huh. the Roman Catholic Church um, so that they disagree with the Roman Catholic theology, which was the rule of the land. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. And so we still have heretics now. Yeah. Heretics have always existed. We just don't have as a formal. We don't cast them off. We don't cast. <laughs> We don't cast them off and we don't burn them at the stake anymore. Right. Right. Because there's not an official state church either. Right? Yes. Yes. And then I feel like we're definitely got a better picture of the word reformation. Meaning to have a change of ways. Right? To reform from from an old way, a new way of thinking, a new way of doing things. Expand on that just a little. Yeah, so he, like I said, he wasn't, he didn't set out to start a new church and a new faith. He truly wanted to um, make the Catholic Church reform to to what scripture alone says Mm -hmm. the Christian life is, Um, which extends today. I mean, we have all churches outside Mm -hmm. of the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church. Mm come from the Protestant Reformation. Whether you're Lutheran, Methodist, Episcopalian, Assemblies of God, non-denominational, every, all of them that you can think of, um, Baptist, Methodist, I'm probably missing some. Nazarene. Yeah, Nazarene. Every (laughs) every one of those can trace their roots to the Protestant Reformation. Yes. So, and we still hold fast to the doctrines that Luther or that Luther was fighting for, yes. namely the five solas, which is yes. the five alones, scripture alone, grace alone, Christ alone, faith alone. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I think <laughs> high five in that that we got a good picture of that. So, let's celebrate. Yeah. What are we going to do tomorrow? Okay. So, um, I think (laughs) that Halloween is really fun, but I also think it's really fun to take something that might be a little bit dry and boring to other people, like the history of the Reformation, um, and, and to celebrate what it means to, um, live our life in the freedoms that we got because other people died right? We get to read a Bible in English because William Tyndall burned at the stake for translating it. Yes. So 
we, I started this last year. So this is my, our second year doing this. Uh-huh. So I gathered some friends and we, um, got together and we give a little presentation on the life of Luther. Mm-hmm. And then we take parts of the Reformation story and either turn them into a game or a craft or an activity mm-hmm. to teach our kids the history of the Reformation in a really fun way. For example, um, when they arrive, there'll be a copy of the 95 Thesis on the door that they enter in. Yeah. And they will get to take a hammer and a nail uh-huh. and a little piece of paper that has 95 on it. Uh-huh. And they will get to nail a thesis onto a different door, not the front door <laughs> of my friend's house. And they'll nail a thesis and then they'll get a recess, right? Uh-huh. And uh-huh. then um, we have really fun things like pin the beard on the reformer. <laughs> because <laughs> if you walk into our church, that exists. Right? Right. <laughs> You go to a reformed church, and if you don't have a beard, you're definitely in the minority. But yeah, we're talking yeah. my about my husband's in the minority. Yours is not. Yeah. I mean, but he also works in healthcare. Yeah, it's yeah. not fun to have to um, put an extra covering on yeah. that. But so we'll, we have like a drawing of a, a plain man's face, uh-huh. and then we have like what Martin Luther's face looked like, John Knox. Um, John Calvin, they have sort of iconic beards that they're always drawn in portraits with. Um, and so the kids will like try to match up who belongs. Whose beard goes to who? The littler, <laughs> the littler kids will do it more pin the tail on the donkey style. Yeah. Yeah. But we also have um, papal bulls. So when Martin Luther received the order to mm-hmm. appear at the Diet of Worms, it came in the form of a papal bull. Papal means pope. Bull means not paper bowl. Yeah, papal. Papal. Papal bowl. So um, they received this letter, told you to show up for court, essentially. So our kids will get the letter, and then they will burn the papal bowl, which is probably which is probably what Martin Luther did with the edict. Yeah. Um, and then we have. A Diet of Worms relay race Ah. where they get, um, it's a relay race with gummy worms. Uh So they have to like crawl on their stomach and with worms in their mouth and transfer them (laughs) to paper plate, like a relay situation. We also have a Bible smuggling relay because to have a Bible in the common tongue was illegal upon penalty of death. Uh And so you had to smuggle them. So we have a Bible smuggling relay. We also do um, a printing press activity where they um, essentially get to do an arts and crafts project with a hand print press situation. Yeah. So that they get an idea of what a printing press was. Yeah. Trying to think of what else we have. That might be it. And then they, of course, oh, they have some snacks, like some Reformation snacks. Mm-hmm. So we have like Martin Luther's hammers, which are um, pretzel sticks with marshmallows. Yeah, okay, on them. okay. And then of yeah. course, like the gummy worms. And then um, being the good Reformed Christians that we are, we'll have some <laughs> tulip shaped cupcakes, which is this is real nerdy for the the five uh, <laughs> the five points of tulip, uh-huh. um, which Calvin is famous for. Yes. Um, so 
we'll have some tulip cupcakes or cup cookies. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put a plug in here for that. Now um, we attend Coram Deo Church in Bremerton. Um, okay, so we go to Coram Deo um, Church in Bremerton, Washington, and um, we had a whole study on Calvinism. It was the intro to Calvinism. So if you go online, you can, um, you can search Coram Dale. Um, they're on Facebook, Coram Dale Church, or they also have an amazing app though. If you download the Coram Dale app, which I can put a link to um, our church when I post this on my um, Facebook group, um, you can go through and actually see and listen to some of their past classes and they, it is, it is a cold water experience. If you have never heard of Calvinism and don't have any retrospective of what that looks like, but the, uh, the whole tulip thing here is part of that. So I will share that. So if you guys want to dive more into it go ahead and listen to that that's my shameless plug love our church love our pastors they explain things very very well very educated on that um but so you're making tulip cupcakes tulip cookies cookies excuse me tulip cookies um to represent our celebration of what john calvin has yeah. done for the Reformation. Yeah, so. so just some, like, the kids probably won't know what the tulip is, but the moms recognize, right? Yeah, well. yeah. And you could explain this. These are for Calvin and the five points of Calvinism um, that came out of the Reformation also. Yes, um, yes. So, yeah, they're, it's really fun. I have a great time putting on the Reformation party. Um, and, you know, last year, I think kids had fun considering people who are guests were like, are we going to do it again? Yeah. So that's yeah, always yeah. a good indication to me that the kids had just as much fun learning yes. as we did when we yes. put it on. That's but, awesome. So um, we've, we have learned the Reformation um, story here. We now know what we're going to do tomorrow. And there's going to be lots and lots of fun stuff um, for the kids. But what about other um, parents, other adults that are listening to this? What other suggestions and tools do you have? So Tawny already mentioned for kids, um, the torch lighters, which mm -hmm. are 30-minute episodes like I said, you can find them on the Right Now Media app. Mm -hmm. um, Amazon Prime has them. Some of them are free on Prime. Some of the episodes you have to purchase. But they have great um, heroes of the Christian faith. Not not all of them are about the Reformation. Yeah. They're great. Most of them, I probably cry every time I watch one. Um, <laughs> that's really good. Um, there are other resources for kids. I have a Reformation ABCs. So it's mm -hmm. the... Mm -hmm. places things and people of the reformation from a to z so it's like you know they'll give you c for calvin and they're going to give you a page about john calvin um for kids too there are um you know great heroes of faith books that you can find mm -hmm. who was martin luther books mm -hmm. um, world history books are all going to talk about the reformation for adults I would say, uh, and specifically women, there's a really good book that I loved reading, and it's called 
popes and feminists and mm-hmm. how the Reformation frees women from feminism uh, by a woman named Elise Crapuchettes, and that is really how you say her last name. Mm, should we spell that just so that people can get, <laughs> yeah. find that easily? Crapuchettes is C-R-A-P-U-C-H-E-T-T-E-S, so Popes and Feminists. And it has also a historical overview of the Reformation, but it also will give you little vignettes. Um, chapters about different women from Spain, women from England, women from Germany, and how mm-hmm. they played a role in uh, the Reformation. Yeah. Um, which was really beautiful to me to learn about yeah. it. And yeah. Um, yeah, so there's lots of books written about Martin Luther. It's not hard to find. There As are well some, as some of his Writings, yeah, I mean, so. you can read his own writings, Calvin. You can read their own writings. Yeah. Um, there's a, a good movie called Luther, mm-hmm. um, a full-length feature movie, which I know is available on Amazon to watch. There's probably not a good one on Calvin. There's a movie called The Calvinist, or mm. just Calvinist, which I would also recommend. Um, but, yeah, if you have any more questions about things just reach out to tani and we can give you some other recommendations yeah, but love it yeah popes and feminists is really good there are some amazing ladies that you're like oh i wish why did i not know about her beforehand mm, i feel like we need to read popes and feminists in pope and talbot <laughs> <laughs> you have to look in kidsop county to get that but um well thank you so much for um coming and sharing and enlightening myself and everybody else on this and I am ready to party like it's 1517 (laughs) all right guys thank you so much for listening to this episode on the reformation celebration and thanks special thanks to Katie McCollin, my guest for this episode. And if you want to find any of the links or resources, I will be posting them on my Facebook page. This is life with Tawny Anderson. And just go ahead and go there. And if you have any questions, feel free to post them there or personal message me as well. Love to do that. Thank you guys so much for spending time with me. I know this was a much longer podcast, but I really appreciate it.